Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Of course, these are interesting times, and I'm not recording this out of the Extension Marketing Studios or actually at Blast Podcast Studios, but John's been fantastic and figuring out how we can do all of this via Skype and have the sound that you are accustomed to listening to on this podcast. So appreciate John and our guests for kind of figuring out how to deal with all this technology and be able to get you the podcast each and every week with, of course, some bonus podcasts as we are dealing with extraordinary times. So let's get to today's podcast because I got to admit during the official March break, we waived any rules, bedtime, morning, wake up calls, meals, exercise, responsibility. We let all of that go. One day, I think Andy, my oldest daughter at 15 came downstairs for the first time around 2 PM. Other than that, uh, it was complete carte blanche. Now, as of Monday, the 23rd schedules went into play, which included schoolwork with elective courses like reading, art and creative writing, attempts at math, and there was mandatory phys ed. Now, my girls are 12 and 15. I've had honest conversations about the reality of COVID-19 and what's really going on in the world. We've talked about the history of the Spanish flu and the Great Depression. We want to prepare them as best as we can for the unknown. We don't know. Nobody knows what the immediate future holds. Anxiety levels are high. Answers are few. And fear, isolation, loneliness, panic, anxiety are all part of our daily discussion. Our mental health right now is being tested. So how do we encourage conversations when we don't have answers? How do we stay sane in a difficult situation? How do relationships work when they're being tested in very different ways? Where is the calm in the chaos? And how do we navigate this as best as we can for all generations, all age groups, and all different situations? Clinical psychologist Lindsay Borove is joining us today. She runs a clinic right here in Ottawa, has been conducting virtual sessions with her patients since the crisis broke out and has some great tips and insights into how we can find some calm in this unwavering storm. So Lindsay, so great to have you joining us. And and I've got to admit, let's see how this goes, because there are three kids under the age of 10 running around behind you in this house today. Yes, there definitely are. Thanks for having me. Um, And I can definitely say I'm going through this experience with everyone. So we're definitely all in this together. So this is uh, extraordinary times. How are you just coping, you know, professionally as it is? Because, you know, you're usually one-on-one face-to-face with a lot of your, a lot of your patients. Like what have you had to pivot and figure out how to do in this? You know, it's been, it was really interesting because as everything was kind of evolving, uh, you know, a week and a half ago or so, um, I I could tell you that at least online as a community, everyone started to very quickly realize we had to go virtual and a lot of um, figure out kind of how to do telehealth if we hadn't been using that platform before. Um, So especially as I'm consulting with colleagues, everyone's really trying to figure out how to move a face-to-face in-person interaction to being virtual. Uh, So it's been a very quick shift and um, it was very quick to kind of move out of an office and make a home office and to get everything up and running this way. Um, But I have to say that the people that have continued to see, everyone is adjusting quite well um, to doing this virtually. I was a bit nervous at first to be doing things over a computer. I, you know, I rely so much on face-to-face interaction and, you know, people's expressions and the nonverbal communication uh, in any type of therapy or consulting or counseling session. And, you know, it actually was a much easier transition than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I've got to ask you, you know, sometimes we look at the experts and kind of go, okay, well, they've got it figured out. You know, <laughs> but do you have it figured no. out? Or is this, a, <laughs> is this the big learning curve for you, too? I definitely keep telling myself it's time to practice what you preach. <laughs> and it's definitely putting that to the test. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's a, it definitely is a learning curve and it definitely is, um, you really are learning as you go. Like I think that on the one hand, I might have a bit of a benefit in terms of just kind of knowing what to rely on right, right away and trying to get routines in order and, and figuring out how to do it. But even organizing that into my head and then implementing it while also trying to work, same as everybody else, it's definitely been a challenge. Um, what? Okay, let me ask you this, Lindsay, because what, what, you know, looking at it from mental health, a mental health point of view, what is the biggest obstacle or what are most of us facing at this time that as overall as a community, we are all feeling, we are all sensing? I think that overall, what we're all really feeling and what I'm experiencing with people who I'm talking with, and just even myself, it, it really is anxiety. I mean, we're all you know, the two biggest triggers or to really contributing to anxiety is the feeling of uncertainty, um, not feeling in control and discomfort. And I'd say that we're all going through the, that this exact experience that we're faced with something as a collective group where it is uncertain. These are very uncertain times. Um, we're not really sure, you know, are we flattening the curve? Are we not flattening the curve? What's going to happen? What's our city going to look like? What's the country going to look like? Um, so there definitely is a lot of uncertainty also with our jobs and the economy. Um, and there's a lot of discomfort, certainly that arises physically within us. That's that anxiety kind of brewing um, and the physical discomfort too. I mean, we're everyone's in their houses right now, spending a lot more time with their loved ones than they're used to. Um, so there's a major adjustment there. And I think we're all going through that experience together. Right. But when you usually are dealing with your patients and you're talking about discomfort and anxiety and uncertainty, usually there's an answer or usually with your, you know, with your clients, like there is, you're going to go through this for now and then, or things will return to normal and then. So how do we collectively then being aware that we have an anxiety and uncertainty and a discomfort calm ourselves or our relationships or our children because I know we're going to get through all the different generations in this conversation but how do we do that when there is actually no answer to the anxiety discomfort uncertainty you know I think that we have to put one foot in front of the other so I think that similar to um if someone's anxious about something and there's an anticipatory anxiety that someone's anxious about something that's coming up yes there may be an end to that situation but you know, what's really important is to really look at what's in front of you right now, that we don't know what's going to happen in six months from now. So sitting and worrying about all of the what ifs in six months from now is not productive use of our time. But what we can control is what's in front of us right now and how we can manage how we feel and model um, how to manage that type of stress for our kids is what's important. So I think it's really focusing on short term the steps that we can take, following the recommendations that are given. And really it is making lemonade out of the lemons that we've been, that, that's going on to make the time with our family and at home as productive and positive as possible. And I think that if we can make it have, try to create, I can say maybe try to create a more meaningful experience as we're going through this, where we're focusing on the positive that can come out of it, the easier it's going to be, because we don't know what the end is. We don't know how long this is going to be. And you could spend this period of time worrying and catastrophizing and thinking about all the possible negative outcomes, um, or you can focus on what you've got in front of you and make the most of it. How are you suggesting people make the most of it? What are your tips for staying in the moment or staying aware of what's presently happening? I think, you know, especially a lot of my work is with kids and with families. So I think that part of it is figuring out what does a day look like? You know, I think that's like the first step. Everyone kind of got moved into their homes. Life got turned upside down. Um, for a lot of the public kids, last the public school kids, last week was March break. So I think a lot of families gave it the week of vacation and, and everyone needed that time just to adjust. Um, but now it's kind of getting into, so if we're in this for the longer haul, what should a day look like? And I think part of it is um, figuring out uh, a bit of routine and consistency is really important. Daytime is daytime, nighttime is nighttime. So I don't think that staying up all night and sleeping all day and, and all of that is going to be helpful for anybody. Um, and there's different ways we can get into about talking about, you know, how can we um, structure different routines and schedules for different age groups and things like that. Um, and I think it's also about really being sure to find joy. I know that sounds like a very odd word to be using in a time like this, but really finding joyful moments. And part of that is 
using mindfulness, it could be doing meditation, it could be going for walks, appreciating nature, getting out, getting fresh air. So a lot of it has to do with self-care and looking at the people who you are surrounded with and and making that time you know, as productive and positive as possible. So it's reconnecting with our loved ones who are with us right now. So, I mean, I made a joke because I know we had talked about this, you know, for some people it could, their relationships could get stronger, they reconnect, you know, for people who are on the brink of already not enjoying the company of the people that they were with, you know, there's that really funny uh, video that circulated, you know, it was like, okay, you have two options. Uh, option A, you get to quarantine with your your wife and child, or there's option B, and it's like B, like, you know, <laughs> which I think everyone has seen that video and, and yeah. looked at it, right? So you've got different situations of how people are, are handling this. And the one thing I really enjoyed in the conversation that we had before we pressed, um, you know, that before we started recording is really understanding how each individual age group and where people are at in their lives and at the stage of their lives is going to be going through this in a very different and very completely different way. And they will have different needs and different outlets depending on the age and what they're doing. Is Definitely. that right? Like that was pretty big yeah. for you. I know, especially since you work with kids. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I look at my own kids. My kids are three, seven, and 10. So they're all under 10, but they're all still developmentally in different places. And, you know, I I think if you kind of look at it, these like the toddlers, the little kids, the littles, um, they're probably, I mean, to some degree, and I'm, I'm using this word loosely, but they are somewhat neglected right now if we're running around with the older kids trying to get them settled into doing schoolwork, you know, they're playing on their own a bit, but they are getting more time with their parents, which is what they desire and what they need and what they want. Um, and so, you know, for them, if they've been in daycares or more structured programs, there definitely is a shift for them. Um, but at the same time, I think there's more time for story time and more interactive play with them and they're benefiting from that. Uh, when you look at the school age kids who generally are at a point in their development where they are identifying as being masters of something. So they're the soccer player, they're the baseball player, they're the ballerina, like that's kind of, they're starting to really become masters at skills and master and, you know, um, really honing certain skills and figuring out what their interests are. You know, for them, life is obviously different because they're not going to play and same with adolescents and older kids. Like they're not going to play on their sports teams right now. They're not um, able to do some of those activities. So, so how can we find ways within or with within our home or outside, but in our social isolating way for them still to feel and gain some mastery over different skills and, and what, and to find their interests and to cultivate that while they're home. I think what's probably hardest and it's, you know, my, my hunch is that is for the adolescents is really tough because developmentally that's a time where they should be kind of taking their eggs out of their baskets with their families. And they're starting to put them more with their friends and developing their autonomy and their independence. And right now they're being put in a situation where they have to stay home. And so I can imagine that being extremely frustrating for them and limiting for them because they're not doing what they're developmentally should be doing. Um, and so you know, for that age group, I think especially, you know, I think for all age groups, but especially that one, social media definitely can can help. I mean, in my line of work, I'm often dealing with the negative outcomes of social media, so cyberbullying and tech addiction and things like that. Um, but I, I'd like to think that all of these different platforms were created to bring people together. And I think it, we are all as a society need to lean into what those platforms can offer right now so we can still stay connected with people outside of our home um, and we can still have the social outlets that we all need as adults and young adults as well, um, just as much as adolescents and little kids. Can you go back? Okay, so you you kind of hit on the toddlers, the school age kids, the adolescents. Let's take you through. Let's take us through two more kind of standing points, and then I want to go back and really narrow in on what we need to be doing for each of those. So once we kind of get through the adolescents, now we have people who are like late teens, early twenties, who are maybe on their own for the first time coming back in, like having lived on their own back in the parents' home, uh, maybe had just started jobs, those jobs, that uncertainty of, will I get that job again? Like where, where is that kind of mixture, that generation feeling, or what are they suffering from? I think, you know, I think especially the kids who are at university or like you were saying, living on their own, they're coming back home. Um, I think when they come home, 
in normal circumstances, it might be for a summer, might be to visit. It's not an indefinite amount of time. Um, so I think that there's a huge transition there. And I think the transition is also hitting the parents because it's a huge transition for a child to move out. And part of it is that a parent starts to then eventually in time start to see their child not as a young child anymore, but they're becoming a young adult. And it's kind of through the moving out process that you begin to not necessarily always be equals, but you're gonna the relationship is gonna change. And sometimes the it's hard because the relation there's a regression in a sense when someone moves back home to being the kid again. And that young adult who's been living on their own and been independent doesn't necessarily want to be viewed that way or be treated that way. Um, or to have those types of limits set on them. And it's hard for parents to readjust because they're used to that child not being there anymore. So I think that it's important to keep lines of communication open, um, certainly in terms of boundaries and, and kind of expectations and those types of things. I think it's really helpful for parents to give some leeway for those young adults coming back in because everyone is going to, it's an adjustment period for everyone. It's not just for those kids. I think we're also looking at this from, it's a huge adjustment for those that are numerous in the home, you know, like your your household, right? There's three kids under 10 years old and it's, it's a busy household and you now have two parents that are back and working through the home. And then on the other end, you have people who are in isolation and are very much alone, that we're living alone, um, you know, whose social, um, you know, you know, being at work and being at the workplace was their way of being around people and having social relationships. So what's so on the other spectrum some of us at home are kind of going oh my god I'm all these people are driving me crazy and then you have people who are completely on their own uh, who are feeling very isolated and incredibly lonely and lonely in a very different way for sure for sure and I think that again it's leaning into technology and what's available is going to be very important um that through Skype and Zoom and all of these different platforms there's a way to still connect with family so you're not so isolated all the time. Um, I've even seen on Facebook, there have been people who are kind of offering who wants to chat right now, I'm available. And I think that that's so amazing um, that there are people in the community who recognize that there are individuals who may be older or younger who are quite isolated and living on their own and they need that social contact. Um, so I think that that's really important. Um, and it's me, sorry. I, no, I was going to say like, it, it's so important, but how how damaging could it be if there's no action taken? If they mm -hmm. choose not to to be social or to have to reach out and one becomes much more, get, it becomes even more isolated, even lonelier and leads into a deeper depression or anxiety based on the fact, you know, that that it's, it's, a, it's a domino effect, I think for some. Yeah. And I think that it's important that there are, you know, mental health professionals, psychologists and counselors who are offering telehealth um, for that reason, that, that we don't have to go through this alone. And I think it's important really to reach out to the services that are available um, to try and, you know, kind of curb that if, if you are finding yourself, you know, really feeling isolated and withdrawing yourself even more. And if you have suffered from mental health issues in the past, that to, it's important to reach out um, to professionals to get the support that you may need. Are you, are you as, um, as that health professional concerned as to what could happen depending on how long this goes of the isolation and how many people may choose either to seek the help or to not, that there will be mental health will be a massive critical factor in all of this? I think that, you know, it is an essential service. And I definitely think that, I think in the short run, people are thinking, we'll see how long this goes and I'm going to be okay. Um, I do think in the long run that this is going to be a critical a critical service for a lot of people, certainly, um, to get through this time. Yes. Is it, as we mentioned off the top, is it the uncertainty? Is it the discomfort? Is it the fear? Is it the depression, anxiety? Where, where is... Where on the scale, like, is there like almost like a scale of like A to B or like one through 10 as to kind of monitoring where we're going with this, even in our own healthy kind of mindsets? I think it's all of the above. I think it's all of these factors. And I think what's going to help people the most, I do, I, I really believe it's connection. I think that's what's going to be the, the buffer for people. I think it, you know, 
yes, I can't go out and hug my friend and I can't necessarily go out for, to a restaurant and enjoy their company in the same way. Um, and that's certainly going to have an impact on my well-being or anybody else's. But if I can still maintain connections, if I'm still sustaining relationships and I'm still connected with other people, if I'm still seeing people face-to-face -face virtually, um, I think that that's what's going to be a really important factor that keeps people afloat. Okay. So this is when I want to take you back. And uh, because this is what I wanted to offer the listeners for sure. I want you to take us back and go through the stages and the tips and some of the things that you want people to incorporate or think about in the different stages of what's happening in their households so that everyone can try to remain a sane and, and that the children are, they're suffering too, right? Some of them are being really brave. They're being really brave, but their whole lives have been, have been thrown upside down. So let's go through, as you mentioned, let's start with the, the small ones. Like I'm thinking for some, for some of them that just have like babies and newborns at home, you're good. Yeah. You're, you would you would have been in isolation anyway. Okay? <laughs> You're feeling like you are a million miles away from normal life when you've got the newborns uh, at home, right? So it's kind of like life is almost as normal for you. They're all up with a baby. I don't even know if they know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're going to, so we feel for you, but right now all you're, you're up for doing feedings and changing diapers. So let's go with the, with the, the little ones, right? Like I'm looking at the age of like 18 months on, like I feel for everyone who's chasing babies all day, you're going to be exhausted. It, it is tiring for sure. Um, I think it goes back to, again, schedules is very important and consistency. Um, I think chunking the day is very helpful. So kind of putting your day into blocks of time. Um, and depending on how old the toddler is, you can start using, you can even make a visual schedule for little kids with pictures. You can put tape or Velcro on them so they can help create the schedule for the day. And you would run it like as if they were in school or daycare that, you know, there's a you have a snack time, you have a lunch time, it's predictable for them. I would try and, you know, as much as you can get online resources. There's tons of free programs and streaming services that are being offered for story times, for arts projects, things like that. Um, and experiential learning, like baking with mom and, you know, playing with dad and yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you this because it, it even circulating on Facebook and through Instagram, like you see different feeds coming in. And a lot of the times you'll hear people say, you know, right now, and I agree, like our main mission is to stay healthy and to keep our kids alive, right? Mm -hmm. But some people are like, let, like, this is, uh, you know, different times. It's the uncertainty. Let them just be kids and let them do whatever and let them ride this out. So you have two different thought processes right? How, like, where do you stand on that? Because I'll, I'll see the posts come in and I'm like, yeah, that could be true for like a 17 year old, but is it true for a, you know, three to 14 year olds? You know, where, right. where do you put the line on? When do you know scientifically and from the brain, like from the science behind all of this, that you think structure and, you know, having a continual kind of consistency is better for the child? I think that you can have both. You know, you don't have to have a timer going and be very strict about now it's snack time. Everyone at snack, you know, like that's not going to be helpful for anybody. But I think just like adults, we all like some degree of predictability. And our anxiety goes down when we feel like we're in control and we're in a stable environment. And that's what we're trying to provide for our kids. And it can still be done. I mean, you know, no toddler needs to be sitting and learning their letters for an hour at a time. That's not realistic. And, you know, it's not going to be helpful. But, you know, you can selectively say to yourself, you know, if I'm going to play with my child for the next hour, 45 minutes, these are the three or four educational things I can do with them. And we'll see how it goes. You know, and I know that after that, I'll give them a bit of a snack. And then we're going to go and do another idea of it. We're going to go outside and we're going to go for a walk together. So I think that, you know, both camps can happily meet in the middle. Right. But the toddler doesn't need to know and see a schedule on the board. But a school age kid who's, yeah. you know, from grades two to six could benefit or do they benefit from that? Or do, do you want them to know going to bed that at night what's in store for them the next day? So I think that um, I actually do think that, you know, three and four year olds do sometimes benefit from a visual schedule. If they've been going to daycare, they likely have one and they do like to know what's coming next. They like to so know that their music teacher is coming today and this is when she's coming. 
Um, so I do think it definitely can be used with kids, uh, younger ones. I think school age kids, again, predictability is helpful. And I think it depends on your child. There are some kids that really need a really structured routine. They need to know my day looks like this the next day. There are other kids who fare better with a more softer structure. Um, you know, you can put the different tasks or the different activities that need to get done if you're going to engage them in some schoolwork. You can put them on clothespins. You can, you know, put them in a bucket and they can choose the order that they want to do it in, but those are the activities that need to get done. So you can be flexible with how you're structuring or offering structure, um, but I still think that there needs to be, you know, I don't think it, it should be the Wild West. I think that that's going to wear out everyone down very quickly. When or at what point do you start to notice that your child is showing signs of a little bit of distress that you can tell that they're more anxious or that their behavior is shifting a little bit because they are in a state of anxiety or fear and they're not able to express it to understand exactly what is going on with them or why they feel so different? So I think you kind of touched on one point is that when you start to see a shift in behavior, that definitely can be a a flag. Um, certainly sleep, if it's hard for them to fall asleep, if they're more clingy at bedtime, um, if they're getting easily more irritable or they're more frustrated when they generally wouldn't be, um, if they're more argumentative or they're pushing back a lot more, if they're fighting more with their siblings. Um, a lot of, you know, anxiety can show up in many different ways, especially in kids. Um, but certainly if you're seeing a change in their temperament or you're seeing a change in their, just their overall um, adaptability, that certainly is a sign that they may be, you know, having difficulty adjusting or they're anxious um, for sure. Okay. So how does an anxious parent who is uncertain of the future <laughs> help parent and provide the, mm -hmm. the security? I think they want to feel safe. I think that becomes, I know in our house, like that's, we just want them to feel safe. How do you create that in a child who is shifting their behavior and you can't blame them, but how do we help them? Right. And I think that this is the important piece is our own ability to manage our own anxiety. Right. Um, you know, the one thing that I keep telling myself, cause I, I, I keep, I guess, observing it, you know, in me and, and with the people I'm working with, you know, oftentimes we have kids who have anxiety and we can't relate to their anxiety. You know, they're afraid to go swimming. They're afraid to go to the party. And the parent is just kind of sitting and saying, like, it's not a big deal. Like, just go and you'll you'll survive. Just jump in the pool or just go talk exactly. to those kids. Yeah. And so it's hard for parents to sometimes be able to emotionally relate, relate to what the child is afraid of or the behavior that the child is expressing um, in terms of their oppositional behavior, their, you know, they ref their refusal to engage in an activity and things like that. And I, I just keep, I keep telling my husband, I'm like, this is like the best opportunity for parents to really understand what it's like for these kids, you know, to face a situation that might be uncertain for them, be it rational or irrational, it doesn't matter. Um, and as parents in a, in a typical world, we're just saying like, just go, just go, just deal with it. And the child or the individual who has anxiety can't at times. And this is kind of what we're being faced with right now. You know, we're just kind of saying, you know, you're gonna have to parent your kids and you're gonna have to model for them. But, you know, we're in distress as much as they are, if not more, because we know a bit more about what's going on. Um, so I think it's really important that we need to stay um, healthy, physically, emotionally, um, intellectually, so that we can be there for our kids. So we really need to, um, we need a schedule for ourselves in the sense that we need to find time and outlet for ourselves. We need our own time to regroup. Uh, I think it's important to be up to date with recommendations and to be up to date with what's going on in the world. But I certainly don't think it's healthy to have live stream news all the time and to kind of get into that panic mentality. I don't think that that's productive. Um, you know, I think we need to stay physically well and we need to exercise and we need to get fresh air because if we're not at our best, we can't be at our best for our child. And if we really are struggling, then we as adults need to get additional support just like our children would so that we're able to be there for our kids. Hmm. So it's it's our helping our children is essentially our, our helping ourselves first. Definitely. Like you're on yeah. the airplane and so you've got to give yourself the, you've got to give yourself the oxygen, you know, and then it's, it's just so different, different, right? We're just so used to trying to say, well, someone's got the answers, but at this point, even the experts don't have the answers. Right. 
And I think that we also have to give ourselves a bit of um, permission that we're not necessarily going to be the best parent in this, and that's okay. We just need to be good enough. We need to love our kids. We need to be there for our kids. It's okay for our kids to see us fall apart a bit. That's part of life. We need to talk to our kids in an age-appropriate way, and we need to give ourselves permission that we're not going to be the best teacher and the best parent and the best cook and the best gym teacher out there. It's not realistic. So if that's what you're seeing on Facebook, get off Facebook because that's not, you know, that's not productive or helpful. We need to give ourselves permission that we're all going through something and we're doing the best we can and we'll get through it. Our kids are resilient. We're resilient. Um, as long as we're good enough for them and we can cuddle them at night and tell them we love them and we can spend some time with them and make that time quality time, they will survive. We will we will get through this. Um, you, you mentioned nighttime and I think you mentioned kids are having a tough time going to sleep. But let's be realistic. I think there's a lot of adults out there as well who are having a difficulty going to sleep. What... What are what are your suggestions for that? I, I think usually at nighttime, that's when ten, the emotions tend, no matter what, for child adults, that's when the emotions start to kind of rev, rev up. For sure. Um, I think that, you know, I think it's helpful to have a sleep routine. So if you have your own wind down routine, make sure you're doing it. If it's taking a bath and listening to calming music, it's, you know, it's important to keep that routine going because it's that sleep routine that actually signals melatonin to be produced in our brains when we follow the same routine before bedtime routine. Um, you know, I think that if you are someone who's open to or already are doing meditation and mindfulness, um, it's helpful to to do that. I don't think it's helpful to watch the news at 1130 at night if, if you're it's going to trigger your anxiety. Certainly, that's not the time of day to do that. Um, you know, I think we have to find our outlets for what calms us down. And, you know, I was reading a post of a, that a colleague posted recently about, you know, it's important to think about what's next. It's not just about all the catastrophes that could happen in front of us, but it's, well, what's going to happen after that? Because we will rebuild and we are going to get through it. So thinking about more of the positive terms, the positive things that are going to happen next, the positive things to, um, you know, the, the things that are in our future that we can control that can be positive. Okay. Can I call you out on this one though, for a second? Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of people are going to bed anxious because they don't know that and right. they don't have jobs right now or they're worried about paying the bills right now. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, you know, yes, you know, let's say six months, a year from now, life will resume and jobs will be back and, you know, there will be opportunities again. But you have a lot of people going to bed worried, not Definitely. so much even about how they're raising their children, but how they're going to provide food and, and substance for these children because a lot of people are losing their jobs. So it's almost like you're, it's like these double whammies. Definitely. Of, sure, you could choose this way, but you, your, your solutions are not the solutions anymore because those have been taken away also. Definitely. Definitely. And it's, listen, it's a very difficult time. And I think it's important to, um, you know, first of all, the different services that are being offered from the government, we all need to make sure that everyone is taking advantage of them and getting the, the support that everyone's going to need, um, for sure. And you're right, like this isn't a fairy tale where I'm just going to think about, well, in a year from now, life will be great so I can go to sleep at night. I mean, that's not a realistic thing. Um, I think that in those moments, we really need to look at what's one step, it's one foot in front of the other. You know, I can't think about in six months from now, where, you know, even um, everyone, a lot of people's jobs, especially people who are self-employed, everyone's, um, you know, financial stability has been shaken. And it's important to look at what is the next day going to bring and what can I do about that tomorrow? And what am I going to do? What are my next steps? You know, I think it's really important to break things down rather than looking at the long, long term in the global, because once we start going there, that's when our mind really can start to spiral. Okay, so how do you, similar to what you'd be do doing for your child and having kind of a plan of action and the day breakdown, how are you doing that for adults then at the same time? So I think it's the same, it's the same type of thinking. So a lot of it is talking about like, so what is my day looking like right now? What am I doing in terms of work? What am I doing for self-care? What am I doing in terms of really trying to figure out with if I have a partner? Obviously, everyone has different living situations. How are we divvying up work? If I'm doing this on my own, I mean, that certainly is an added stress right now for those families. Um, 
And it's really trying to create a bit of balance with what we can. And listen, this is not easy. It's easy for me to sit here and say, just go do this. This is this is very trying for everybody uh, right now. But I think if we can focus on what we can control, what is in front of us, um, that's when we start to feel a bit more in control, right? And so it is saying, okay, I'm getting up in the morning. I've got to go and you know do this for my kids. Then I've got to take this time for myself. It's really breaking down the day with what what is going to happen. Okay. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it and I think in my head, I'm like seeing a, a thousand different scenarios, right? I'm, I'm seeing also someone, uh, you know, pulling out their hair because they've got so many young kids and they haven't had an adult conversation and they're exhausted. And then, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's really bitchy and then we're fighting with each other. And then you're trying to be able to say, this is going to be great quality time for the family. And then the next thing you know, you want to kill each other. Right. Inevitably, I mean, like yeah. I've got two daughters. They get along great. Like they they are awesome. But let me tell you, I've seen some like <laughs> stuff come out that's just like this would never be occurring. You know, we're you know, so I'm sure that that how are people going to deal with that? Um, in that their relationships are being tested in ways they haven't been tested before. I think that everyone needs to find their own space with within, even though we're in one place, we all need our own time off. We all need time in our own to have our own outlets. And you know what? It's okay if kids are watching TV because mom and dad or just mom or just dad, like people need a break right now. You know, and that's where I, where I was saying before is you need to give yourself permission. You know, it's okay if your kids are on screens a bit more than they used to be. Like this is not going to have any permanent damage on them, you know, in the long run. Because if, if, you're, if the alternative is that you're forcing yourself to play a board game and everyone's screaming, that's not productive time either. Right. So I think it's, again, creating space for each other and creating space for ourselves. Um, and it's, it's making sure that when we are spending time, we can everyone's in a, in, a, in a good space to be able to do that. And if we're not, then it's not happening that night. You know, we're, it might be mom and one kid in one room and another in another room. And, and that's OK. It's, it's being flexible with what we've got in front of us and what we're able to handle. You had mentioned a little bit earlier about adolescence and that this is really their times when their eggs should have been in a basket of being social. Like this is their social years. There's more importance on being social, on friendships, on, on these, these groups. So what, what do you say to that generation who are listening and to the parents of that generation? Where's, are there lines like of you're on your phone too much, or you've been on the phone or no more discussions, or you've been Snapchatting or TikToking, you know, (laughs) we want them to be social. There still needs to be limits. There still needs to be boundaries. So I don't think that, you know, phones should be in, I mean, this is, every family is different, but, you know, I, I wouldn't recommend that kids are going to sleep with their phones. So they're up all night talking with their friends anytime. I don't think that that necessarily would change at this point, but, you know, I do think, and I, I would still be encouraging those kids to spend time with their families and with the people who are face to face with them. But I also would definitely understand when they want to be off on their own and hanging out online with their friends and chatting and doing those things that that's, that is, appropriate for them and it's good for them I'd want them to keep their friendships going as long as it can remain positive and as long as I don't see that the increased engagement on social media is having a direct emotional impact on their well-being yeah I yeah and they're the ones that are trying to you know they want to get out they want to leave the house usually they're able to get out and to go out so you know it's they don't have that outlet they don't have like I find for them it's like and their future, you know, their schooling, like their schooling is much more important. There's graduating kids in grade twelve who like like there's so many added pressures to them right now of the unknown of what they had intended life to be like. Mm-hmm. I would think for them it's probably one of the toughest age groups and demographics to be dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think that as a collective, they're all going through it together. It's not happening to one of them individually. And so what happens to their year, what happens to their grade? I mean, everyone of that, like that cohort is going to go through that, whatever that outcome ends up being. Um, I know that there are some schools who are doing exams online now. So they're not, so they're trying not to let them miss the year or miss those courses. So I I, I do, I'm not sure about the public board, what they've decided yet or not. Um, but I know in the private system that there are, they're still trying to continue that education. Um, you know, I think that 
with adolescents, there's a lot more compromise and discussion when you're making rules or guidelines or things um, on, on, a, on a typical day. But I do believe when things come down to health and safety, that's when parents need to intervene. And right now, the decision to stay in is a health and safety decision. It's not up for compromise with kids. And so they might not like that they can't go out and it is going to be a difficult adjustment, but at the same time, it's for their protection and that's what has to be done. So it's parents then working with them. So how can we make the best of it in this moment, given the situation that we're in and really involving them and including them in that conversation. How, how honest do you think we should be? Or when do you have that? Like I mentioned off the top of the podcast, you know, we sat down and, and, and talked to the kids about uncertainty of economics, uncertainty of how long this is going to go on. Like, is, is there age appropriateness for how much dialogue and how much discussion or how much you're letting them in on? Definitely. I think that kids need to know what's going on for what's appropriate for their age and stage of development. You know, little kids need to know they need to wash their hands, they need to stay healthy and safe, and you know, they don't need to know about the financial precariousness of our society, right? Um, I think it also depends on the child. I mean, if someone's prone to be quite anxious, giving them more and more details to what's going on is not going to help them right now. But I also think we need to be upfront and honest about like kids are going to wonder why can't I get together with my friends you need to have an answer um, but I think the answer that you give is going to depend on their own temperament and what they're capable of really understanding and their age and stage of development they need to know what they need to know to keep them safe and to understand what's going on but what you're going to tell a 17 year old is certainly not going to be the same as what you tell a seven-year-old and there's a lot of different um, videos and sites that are up and available to help parents guide them through that conversation with their kids so they don't necessarily have to have the conversation alone if they're uncomfortable doing that. What are some of the resources that you um, are giving for people to go to, either for the clients coming out of your, you know, you know, you work a ton with with children, but where do you suggest people go if they are kind of needing more than the typical just being able to go on Facebook or saying, hey, does anyone want to chat? Where do you where do you suggest? Well, I think that if they, if someone feels like they need additional support in terms of therapy, there's always the, in Ottawa, there's the Ottawa Academy of Psychology, where it's a directory of psychologists, and um, the ones who are offering telehealth um, have, it should be on that website right now. Um, so if, they, if people are looking for professional help, there's that. There's certainly different colleges for psychotherapists and social workers. I'm sure they're doing the same things. Um so I think if you if people feel like they need additional support in that way, then you need to look online at the various colleges or resources available. Um, you know, for youth, it could be YSB, things like that. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to kind of cultivate a list of websites that people keep kind of sending me with videos to help with kids and things like that. Um, one that was sent around, I'm just trying to pull it up because I don't know it off by heart. Um, it was from Brain Pop and it's for school age kids. Um, and it just really explains in a scientific way what COVID-19 is and how we can stay safe. So I'm happy to kind of send you some links later on if, once I kind of get it all cultivated that you can kind of share out um, if you oh, think that'd be helpful. Trust me, Lindsay, I will take any links and I will uh, <laughs> attach to all the links into the, uh, the show notes so that people have access to being able to find age appropriate information and tools to be able to help the kids. Um, and for you, it's really, it's like, we, I love how you say that. This is not the time for us to be the perfect parent, perfect teacher, perfect gym teacher, perfect baker, perfect homemaker, right? Like this, this is not the time. It's really just, it's about keeping us safe. It's staying home, staying safe and, and coming out of this as best we can the other end. Like as a health professional yourself, like what are the biggest things that you're telling yourself that you would normally tell your patients and your clients that you're trying to incorporate? Um, so for me, what I've actually been telling myself, and I, I really am trying to, I believe it, so I'm trying to live it because we can believe a lot of things and we don't always live them, right? Um, I, as, her, as horrible of everything that's going on, I, I really am staying positive. Um, and I'm seeing the opportunity that's presenting itself in all of this. And for me, you know, for me, the opportunity is is to slow down. You know, I think that we often are running around. We forget our priorities. We're busy with meetings. We're busy on our phones and, and trying to increase our work and help our patients or our clients or everything else. Um, and that's not really possible right now. And, and it's been hard for me to adjust, you know, my my headspace and my thinking. But I also see the opportunity in actually 
and spending more time with my family and reconnecting in different ways that I, I always say I want to, but we don't always have time to do. And I find that when I invest myself, um, when I am with my kids and I have that intention in my mind, it, it the stress kind of goes away because the outside world is out there and I actually can start to enjoy what's going on inside my home. So a lot of it is seeing the opportunity and really strengthening the relationships that I have in front of me right now, which I think is great. And definitely the one day at a time um, kind of mantra has been helping me and really making sure that I'm getting outside and getting fresh air and that I'm taking some time for myself and that making sure you know, my husband has time for his health himself as well and um, exercising and eating healthy and, and just trying to maintain some balance in all of the chaos. Uh, it's funny because topic guests uh, on the podcast are going to be on like I have had right on healthy eating and stress eating mm -hmm. and bored eating, you know, like there are you break down everything you just said. Um, and each of those has, uh, you know, attend a there's right. a sub list to all of them right like you're right. meditating you have movement like you know it's how important movement is to our overall health and getting our bodies moving and what does that create you know so everything that you've just mentioned really kind of has a subset of everything that goes with it but this is really good to be able to take the overall package that you've kind of listed um, and look at it in that sense. And I think I want to leave it on that positive note right like for you this is about the chance like it's almost like the planet earth is saying Mm -hmm. like press pause like look at what you guys have created look how disconnected we are look how much you think you want to do something but you're not so it's almost giving us an opportunity right now to do all of the things we were telling ourselves we wanted to do if we only had time or i'm too exactly. busy but or i can't do it because you know like it's like the earth is kind of saying okay no more excuses exactly figure it out yep yep and it's a time to pick up new things. I'm, I mean, the other thing that I keep saying, now I'm saying what I don't have time for is, I saw online, um, Yale is offering an online course. It's one of their most popular ones, how to live a happier, a happier daily life. They're offering it for free online. So when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, I would so take a course right now if it's free and I can, you know, if I have the time. So now what I'm finding is like, I'd love to learn a new skill right now. I'd love there. So now I'm making a new list of things I want to do, but I don't have time for those things, but it's because priorities are shifting. Right. And, you know, let that be the worst thing in the world that I, we don't have time to take an online course. You know, I, it's, I think for me, it's really investing in the relationships we have around us. Um, I really think that that's what's going to keep a lot of us afloat at float. Um, it's good for our brain. It's good for our mind. It's good for our soul. And that's what we need right now. I appreciate you taking the time to be able to sit and chat and, and go through all of that with us. Um, so people, I will have some links uh, ready to post uh, of some of the resources that you had in the show notes so that people can kind of take advantage of this. I know for you, it's an adjustment of your practice and seeing your patients and, and staying connected that way. I think we're all just trying to find a new normal. And so what would your, and, and, and kind of closing, like what would your definition of like new normal be <laughs> you know like to because it's it's so hard people people don't do well with change like yeah. as much as we mentioned uncertainty and discomfort like change for a lot of people like mm -hmm. we'll do anything not to have to change right you know i think I, it is hard it's definitely hard i think everyone's new normal is going to be very different for themselves and for their families i think if we can all find a rhythm that can work with the people in our homes, that's what the new normal is. And I think that um, I, I hope that we continue to use social media platforms in a positive way to bring people together and to share resources and to offer resources. Um, I think that that's what's going to help. Um, and I think, again, if we think of things in terms of day by day, that's how the new normal happens. There's no, this was before, this was after, and there was no change in between. We have to give ourselves some time to adjust. We're all going through a shift. It's been very shocking for a lot of people. It's been traumatic for people. It's been, there's a grief process associated with this too. There's a lot going on for us. So I think we need to give ourselves the time and the space to be able to go through the adjustment and the new normal will evolve. When you talk about the grief process, are we grieving the lives that we had? Also, I, I, mean, I mean, I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be medical, like physical life grief, you know, mm -hmm. that there, there will, there's loss that is happening, but I think people feel the loss of the life that they had. That's, 
I mean, I think, and I've seen it more and more in the media, people are talking about a lot of the grief that people are going through and people, you know, I think, I think a lot of the, with change, with, there is loss and it's adjusting to, you know, yes, the life that we had for sure. Um, it's also anticipating what might come that could be, you know, more negative in the future. So there's like an anticipation of something bad happening. Um, you know, I think it's, it, and it's hard to adjust to something that's new for everybody. There's no one kind of walking around saying, well, I've, we went through this and this is what it is. I mean, we had there's no manual. There's no manual on this one. So, you know, again, you know, it's, it can be a scary time, but I think that if we focus on what we can control and what's right in front of us, that's what we need to put our energy into. Okay. So give me your top five things. What do you want us focusing on? Um, I would focus on family and connection. I'd be focusing on um, keeping ourselves healthy and well uh, in all different aspects. I'd be focusing on um, keeping our mind stimulated. So that applies to all age groups and stages. It could be learning a new thing, getting engaged in playing board games with friends virtually, finding interesting and creative ways to stay connected. Um, and I think it's also in terms of sharing. I think it's sharing what we've, what we're learning with one another and sharing resources and coming together, not just as a small community, but, but as a society and globally. So how can I help contribute to that would be what I'd be trying to focus on. Contribution. It's such a big thing uh, in the yeah. overall picture. Lindsay, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know that you've kept your kids kind of locked <laughs> out of the room <laughs> for, I had for to an hour. My one or two times. Yeah, I did see that. I did see that. But I, all of our, you know, I, mine, mine got the lecture too. I'm like, I'm out. If the phone rings, someone's got to pick it up on the first right. ring and no right. yelling. <laughs> uh, but I think that's that's what's going on in so many different households. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And for everyone who's listening, resources are coming your way it's just the continual dialogue of you know the shift that we are seeing in our lives but the more we can talk about it the more we know that there's resources out there there's community out there uh, helping us get through these very um, kind of difficult and uncertain times so thanks for listening and that again is yet another episode of living your life with Leanne Lang I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.